We are called to admonish the sinner and instruct the ignorant. At AveMariaRadio.net's Poll of the Week, we want to know, have you ever tried to fraternally correct someone? Let us know by going to AveMariaRadio.net and clicking on Poll of the Week. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. My guest, Father Joseph Krupp, is a former comedy writer who's now pastor of Holy Family in St. Mark's Parishes in the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. He is the author of Smart Answers and Bad Jokes from a Priest Who Proves That God Has a Sense of Humor. Father Joe joined, Father Joe joined us uh, last year uh, in 2020 on our uh, Good News Marriage Cruise. He was uh, MC there, did a spectacular job. And I should say that he's also coming with us uh, in the January 2022 Good News Marriage Cruise. I should also add that uh, I was just told today that there's a Father's Day special coming up. And so, ladies, if you want to get your man something that you'll both enjoy, uh, go to goodnewscruise.com, register for the uh, January 2022 uh, Good News Cruise, and you'll get $50 off each person. So, again, we'll have information available at AveMariaRadio.net as well, but you can go directly to goodnewscruise.com. Father, it's good to have you with me. Thanks. Oh, it's an honor to be on here. Thank you so much. Well, listen, you answered a question in uh, Faith Magazine, which I thought was yeah. just a great question. And, of course, your answer was uh, very appropriate. Uh, you've probably had this type of question asked of you many times. Uh, people who uh, are upset, uh, angry, because they believe that um, the Mass is not as reverent today as it once was when they were growing up, uh, or where they've seen it enacted in other places. Um, Yes. What do you say to people like that? Well, um, what I was able to do, and and I've got, as you would imagine, a lot of experience with that. Um, (laughs) And uh, the first thing I did in the article was ask people to look at the source. I, I think um, it's an easy thing right now to confuse people who fire us up with people who are holy. Uh, that the ability to get us all charged up, even if it's pointing our anger in a vaguely spiritual direction, it doesn't mean it's holy. Right. It doesn't mean it's good, you know, and passion does not equal goodness, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I I often will take an approach of asking, you know, what's the data? What what are you looking at? Did you see the mass before Vatican II? Or right. is it being described to you um, by people who also didn't see it, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and it, it really is something. And what emerges, I think, is you just have people pining for something they've never seen. Because they don't know if it existed. Yeah. But the only thing they compare it to is what they see now. Right. right. Um, and, you know, you always lose when you compare what you have now with something that may or may not have existed. Yep. You know. The actual versus um, the ideal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I'm blessed to be in a unique spot. My age, there's not a ton of us out there, uh, but just early 50s who just caught the end um, and, and the beginning, um, the end of uh, the pre-Vatican II and the beginning of the Vatican II, and um, it's really 
I, I don't know uh, how to explain it, but uh, it's interesting to, to talk to people who were raised in the pre-Vatican II church yeah. and who don't hate it, who yeah. don't hate it at all, but will tell you, no, this is better. It's messier. It's uh, more contentious. It, uh, but it's, it's good what we're doing now. Uh, we are participants as opposed to observers. Right. Which some many of them felt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was raised in the 1950s and 60s, uh, going to Catholic sure. Church, and uh, we were very, and I have to say, we were very compliant uh, Catholics. Uh, but the truth is, uh, I wasn't catechized at all, uh, you know, in any sing- in any in any way that took. Uh, so I, by the time I reached uh, post puberty, I was out of there. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and and I don't, you know, I, I the only thing I I, I do remember. Uh, is that you could you could go into church buildings were frequently open uh, they weren't yeah. locked and so they were very they could be very quiet places and there was a sense of uh, reverence about it so but once yeah. you got everybody in there um, you know it, it, you had people uh, praying a rosary next to you not even aware of what's going on up at the altar you had uh, you know people dozing <laughs> off I mean it was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It wasn't, it's no and, ideal situation at all. No, and you know, this is the, the, two, the two hardest things I, I think for people perhaps to accept is the, the first distinct possibility that Catholics stopped going to church because we started making money. Yeah. That yeah. right around the time Catholics stopped going to church. Yeah. Uh, you actually can Google this, it's crazy. Catholic wealth rose astronomically in the 60s and 70s. Yes. The success of Catholic schools in making excellent students put them out in the secular world, and they began to make money. We're now, last I checked, the wealthiest sub-economic group in the country by far. Hmm. And it's remarkable, because, I mean, this is literally exactly what Jesus told us would happen, <laughs> right? You right. can't serve God and mammon. And I think a lot of Catholics stopped going to church, because, not because of a liturgy, but because of they didn't need God anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, you point that out nobody, in the article, that, that, that oh, people good. often confuse uh, causation with correlation. Yeah, uh, yeah. So... It, 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 Dirt poor Catholics. I always say this. The, the, when Catholics were literally dying of hunger in this country, we built St. Patrick's Cathedral. Yeah. And when we got rich and powerful, we built those weird boxes, you know. <laughs> it's really remarkable, you know. Mm. Um, when you, when you um, mem- members of congregations that you've served, uh, yeah. do you often come across this complaint? Not really. I, I find it, uh, for lack of a better phrase, a specialized complaint. Hmm. Um, and, and for example, and this goes back to my first thing about who you listen to, the, the most, one of the most important lessons I learned as a priest came at one of my parishes when I, I had heard for the first time, uh, a Catholic, uh, podcast and it got my blood boiling, okay. right? They were excited, they were fired up. And I walked away excited and fired up. Mm-hmm. And immediately, 
told a brand new Catholic about it. I had just brought her into the church that year. And then after about two months, I was really convicted. I, I recognized every time I listened to this, I walked away angry and afraid. Wow. And I, I, I really, I even preached about it. I was like, my gosh, guys, you know, we got to be careful. That's a drug. Right, and whatever the intent, uh, when someone can get us fired up about something we love, it doesn't necessarily mean it's holy. And I, I specifically approached this person, baby Catholic, just ludicrously happy, right? You know, it goes, <laughs> and yes. already that anger was there. Yeah, and within two years, uh, she wouldn't even talk to me because I was one of those you know, heretic, uh, you know, won't stand up for the truth. I won't say exactly what she wanted. Um, you know, all of those complaints and, and it just, man, it got my heart, right? It really did. And I, I think that's a lot of what we deal with. Like if you go to my congregation here, most people that I, that we've got going to church now weren't going to church three years ago. Interesting. And so I'm careful to tell them, There's, don't listen to that, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll say why. I'll, I'll say they might say some true things, but they don't have the love of God in them. Right, right. Um, and I give people little fruits of the Spirit from Scripture, and I say, these how, if, if you experience these realities, Scripture's clear. That means you got a good thing. Yeah. And, and then if you look at where it lists what those fruits of the flesh are, uh, look at that, and if that's what you experience, then it's not from the Lord. It's a super simple gauge. Yeah, you know, if you if you're experiencing if you're experiencing love, joy, peace, uh, kindness, gentleness, that's one thing. If you're experiencing, right. you know, um, hostility, uh, anger, uh, a partisan yep. spirit, uh, that's a different thing. Yep. <laughs> different spirit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And isn't it crazy that, you know, someone can, and dutifully so, quote me a liturgical document from the 17th century, but is unaware of that scripture? Yeah, right. right. It's super clear. Our Lord says these are bad fruits, and we might like the taste of them, but it's still bad fruit, you know? Uh, You you have a a quote in this. uh, Salvation is a messy business because we are messy people. (laughs) The incarnation of God and the person of Jesus was anything but neat and orderly. Uh, And that that, that is certainly true. Just reading the pages of the New Testament, you you realize that this is not a... a, uh, St. Paul wasn't dealing with uh, a nicely ordered systematic theology. He was uh, acting like a pastor to troubled churches. And their problems yeah. he's always dealing with. Praise God. Yeah. Just spraying and praying Jesus, right? He wasn't trying to convince people of steps 13 and 14. He was trying to convince them, right? That old thing when he was a kid, right? God loves us. We're sinners. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We need a personal relationship with Jesus and a community of believers. Boom. Yeah. You could spend your whole priesthood pounding on those four points and get nothing but faith from it. Hmm. Right, uh, and that's where Paul was masterful, as you said, and it was it was super basic theology, and it was messy sacraments. God born in a barn during a census sacraments, right? Yes. And there's a beautiful appeal, and I dig it. I mean, I'm German, right? I dig the neat, orderly, precise mass, 
but just because I dig it doesn't mean it's of God. Right. Right. Uh, it, it, it can be a messy, messy thing. Yeah. You know? We're going to be going together again on, on this Good News Marriage Cruise. And, yeah, uh, God help you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did a great job, and I had a great time last last. Uh, uh, me too. Yeah, it was just before the COVID thing hit. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I do. I got it. I you, don't know if you remember. I do I remember now. You were, yeah, you were with your dad. Yep, he's right here. We just just a couple feet away. Easy, we go everywhere together. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. He's bad. I told him, I don't know what you did as a young man, but you got some turd going right now. You know, he lives with me, so. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, I'm geeked out. I think that cruise will really be a joy. I I uh, I still am getting letters from people, brother. Uh, the marriage is strengthened, marriage is saved, marriage is affirmed, and man, you and me, we got to be there for that. Yeah, how, how cool is that? It is great. It's it's great. And I uh, look forward to seeing you. Hope to see you before oh. then. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I love that. We'll talk again. Thanks, Father. You got it. Have a great day. Father Joseph Krupp, uh, again, he's going to be one of us uh, with us there on the Good News Marriage Cruise. Uh, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, uh, Father Leo Patlinghug, Father John Ricardo, Therese Tamayo and Deacon Dom, uh, Archbishop Charles Chaput, Ray Grendy. Uh, well, you can see it's going to be quite a crowd. <laughs>